Well, hey there, skips and skipperettes from all across the electronic wilds of internet land. Welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. So in case you haven't heard the news, we're a weekly podcast now. That's right, every Friday morning you'll get a brand new dose of Jungle Cruise goodness. So if you like what you hear on Tales from the Jungle Cruise, then share us with your friends. Facebook.com slash Jungle Cruise, C-R-E-W-S, or over on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. But you know how to find us, because you're listening to us right now. I see how you are, you clever little listener. Uh, But seriously, share us with your friends. The more listeners we get, the more awesome stuff we'll be able to have for you down the road. So this week is part two with skipper Jonathan Rushing. Uh, In case you're wondering why it's called the $55 podcast, well, it's because Jonathan got a parking ticket while we were taping. Expensive, but worth its value in entertainment for you, the listening audience. This week's theme song is a great band called The Leisure Kings. Make sure you check them out. A happy shout out to our number one listener and fan, Kit Moonwood, who helped me pick out the music for this episode. So now, my friends, on with the show. Kate Walsh came up the exit and the ride broke down for like 30 minutes. So Kate Walsh and her husband and I, this was around the time that Charlie Sheen roast on Comedy Central came out. And her and I were just talking crap about Charlie Sheen, Kate Walsh. And that was a lot of fun. Like, I just had like a 30-minute conversation with Kate Walsh about Charlie Sheen. That was kind of cool. I understand like when we were working at Disney, though, it was like, you know, they're, they're regular guests. They're not celebrities. Like, don't ever acknowledge them by their name. But that was one of my flaws. I was like, oh, hey, so-and-so. Well, and I think that there's there's a difference between, hey, so-and-so, sign my bare ass. Oh, I never asked for an autograph. Yeah, but, I'm, you know, and I think that there's a way you can respectfully acknowledge who they are. Because you can't, you, you, you know, when we had Michael Jackson in the Tiki Room, you can't ignore the fact that he's Michael Jackson. Like, that's know, too or cool. We had, yeah, or when we had, you know, Michael J. Fox would come on, or uh, any of the numerous people who we've talked about on the podcast. And another one, I'm trying to, what was I going to say? Oh, I was doing, I was working parades probably my first or second year working for the company and I, I don't know if you remember Game Squad on the parade route where we have like the basketball hoop you remember oh, that? Oh yeah that was, that was after yeah they didn't really do that you know yeah, they started doing Game Squad because all the parade workers like we needed something to do instead of just chilling at the in-between yeah making fun of Ariel and so I remember that like a bunch of little kids were playing the little basketball hoop and I'm holding the basketball hoop and the kids are throwing the ball in the hoop and then suddenly Nicolas Cage walks up to me and apparently I was playing with Nicolas Cage's son and he walks up to me old Nicolas Cage like thank you for playing with my son. And, and, like, he, like, shook my hand, and I'm like, no problem, Mr. Cage. And, like, I walk away, I'm like, that was Nicolas Cage. Huh. And that was that was kind of cool. No, I, I hear that he's actually really cool when he's not involved in projects and all that, when he's just, yeah, like, he, hanging he was out really as a nice. regular dude. Um, yeah, his movie choices leave something to be desired. But the ones that I, uh, I, 
once again, I don't think I've told this story. I'm not a big Jeff Goldblum fan. Oh. Um, he's never been someone who I've liked, just uh, on the acting side Independence of things. Day, Jurassic Park? Oh, man. Uh, no, Independence. I wanted to slap him in every movie that he's in. It's just kind of <laughs> like, he plays the same smarmy. The only movie I liked him in, and this is, if, if Hollywood is listening, the movie that needs to be rebooted is Buckaroo Banzai. And I never saw that. Oh, you need to see Buckaroo Banzai. It's, it's a phenomenal movie. It's John Lithgow in one of his funniest roles. Um, Goldblum is fantastic in it. That that's a franchise that that I think was too early, and it would make sense to have it be floating around now, because um, you know what? If we don't have a super scientist who leads a rock and roll band, you know, and <laughs> and who helps you know keep peace in the universe, that's really what we need to have. Um, but no, Goldblum never one of my favorite people, and uh, was getting on uh, Indy, and of course getting backdoored. They had their own car, and um, it was him and. Uh, kids and a bunch of plaids and all that side of it wrote it like four times in a row wouldn't didn't want to get off just kept on riding over and over in the same oh well actually reminds me of a different story about indy uh, i was working indy and apparently harrison ford hates the indiana jones ride he like despises it that's why like he didn't want like his likeness like in the video or in the ride or whatever even though all the animatronics look just like him that's the rumor i don't know how true that is but i remember he was on the ride, and I was up in tower, and the ride breaks down, like usual, per the norm, like you know. Yeah, because whenever he comes in the ride, it's, it, it breaks out of spite. Exactly. It's like, this ride hates you. And I remember, like, he was stuck. I remember I'm sitting in tower, and I'm, I, he's stuck, I think, on the bridge or right next to Fluffy. And I see, like, the car, like, next to him is, like, taking all... I just see these flash people taking pictures of him. And... The lead was, and so, like, the lead's like, no, I, I don't want regular cast members evacuating them out, because we eventually had to evac. And so they call, like, the managers and all the other leads over, like, to evac the ride because of him. And so I remember, like, they walk in the back of the station, and I was, I had the window open just so I could, if I hear any of the commotion. I remember him yelling, like, this is why I don't like this stupid ride, you don't know how to do anything here, and, like, this ride's a piece of shit, and, <laughs> like, I was like, thank you, Grumpy Harrison Ford. He really hates this ride. Well, I think Harrison Ford just grumpy in general, but um, yeah, no, it. Uh, I'm amazed. I, I, any of the attractions are going to have downtime. Indy seemed to have uh, an unnormally large amount of downtime. I think it still does to this day. Yeah, I mean, it. You know, because I was there, I was there as a guest. You know, around the time it opened. Yeah. And I don't think in the God, is it 15 years? Whatever it's you know it's been now, 20 years at Indy. Has it been 20 uh, we, we, we celebrated the 15th anniversary when I was there, so it's about like 17 or 18 yeah. now. You know, I still think that that ride just has, you know, an unnormally high amount of downtime. It, well, it, it was supposed to be the ride that never broke down, right? Yeah, that, that was the big deal. Was that you know, God that, himself can't sink this ship. But, you know, and, and yet as it goes by, it's squirting hydraulic fluid eight feet in the air. That's exactly how it a is. giant fountain of, you know, hydraulic fluid. <laughs> and, like... It would be a rare, rare occasion if I pulled an eight-hour shift to Indy where we didn't break down at least once. Yeah. You know, and then it's funny that we go the other direction, and then we have, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, which can keep running no matter what. You know, we you would have hydraulic fluid squirting out of the neck of one of the pirates, and they would just say, it's just a battle wound. That's supposed to be there. Um, but, no, but Indy definitely seemed to have more than its share. Which, you know what? Give them credit if it's for guest safety and if it's to make sure the ride's working right, but... Exactly. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Uh, my favorite part of Indy was always the end of the night. 
getting to walk the track for Lost and Found. That was always fun. Because you always got to find great stuff. Cameras, bras. Yeah, I found some weird stuff, too. Enemas. And <laughs> Small Thai children. <laughs> Just laying there on the side of the track. Banjo strings. and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, dryer lint. No, I mean, I... Paper clips. Portals to Narnia. Got a few staplers. <laughs> We've talked about this a ton on the podcast. Were you ever there for one of the any of the drainings for uh, Rivers of America? Uh, I've heard. I, I was there a few times when they drained. I was never a part of yeah, it. Yeah, we found a bowling ball. I was never a part of it, but I, they found a bowling ball one time in the Rivers of America. That's pretty metal. I'm trying to figure out why there was a bowling ball in Rivers of America. Uh, they found an entire ECV at one point. I'm curious that they found some, like, old, like, discarded car parts yeah, and tires just, yeah. and some trash cans and a popcorn cart. Uh, they found, you know, MC Hammer's career. <laughs> and his parachute pants. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's... So, uh, was what, what's outside of Jungle? Do you have a favorite uh, attraction? What, 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 oh, where, fav- where, where'd you go to unwind? In the park? Uh... I really do. I really enjoy walking around the rivers of America. Like I like going over to the Cafe Orleans, getting some palm frites and mint juleps. That was always a favorite thing to do. I, I'm very partial to Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. What other Disney attraction can I? It's go- gone from Orlando now. I know. I went to Disney World last year, and I was really bummed. Yeah, but they still have Country Bear, so that makes up they, for nothing. And when I go to Country, that's one thing I really miss that Disneyland needs to bring back. I don't think they need to bring it back. That was a different time. That was a time when... I still have appreciation a, for Country that Bears. That was a time when John Denver and Dolly Parton ruled the earth. And though, though that time will never come back again. It's, it's like better the, than Winnie the Pooh ride. Winnie the Pooh ride's great, particularly if you're stoned. <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect fry toy. It's perfect for, you know, our stoned guests. Not me, because... Why can't you do Country Bears stoned? I, Singing Talking Bears. You know that they would have like a Jessica Simpson bear if they brought it back now. Katy Perry bear, Justin Bieber bear. Oh. Not really country western, but I, okay. I, I really like, they make the Kesha bear. <laughs> I, think, I, I think, think that'd be hilarious. I think we're happy with as little, because they learned their lesson with Superstar Limo. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, it's no Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Yeah, but. it's no Eddie Murphy in the Haunted Mansion. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I wonder how long Captain EO's got as far as shelf life. The fa- I know, to, pre- to be honest, like, I remember there was, like, all this huge hype when it came back. Like, yeah, yeah, there's going to be lines forever now. It's, yeah. like, empty now again. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that attraction space seems to have a very short shelf life for whatever they put in there. I would be, you know, happy. I, I've said this up until the point where now Iron Man at Interventions, I was happy if they would have torn it down and put up Mission Space. Mission Space is a cool ride. It is, and they would never that let it. That is a cool ride. So, um, you still good on time? I'm, I'm good. I got nowhere else to go. I usually go home and pass out at this time, so you're lucky that I'm all caffeined up. Yes, you see this thing? It's called the sun. It's That's large true. That's and why I'm a vampire. I'm all pale now, because like when I used to wear jungle, I was all tan and bronzed, and I looked like a manly man. I'd go home smelling like gunpowder and boat fuel. Did, did you used to wear the 1920s manly man costume, the... Striped bikini briefs and the, oh yes, but, yeah. But of course, it was. I like to wear the leopard bikini briefs. Yeah, and you would have the the animal skin over the side of the <laughs> the Tarzan uh, chest. Yeah, yes, very much. It was always the hardest part about working at jungles. You had to wax yourself every day. <laughs> That's very true. And the nice part about uh, my current job is. 
because we work. I work in the middle of the night, and grad night should be the same philosophy. My boss, like, if we ever run late, everyone in my work is addicted to like sleep aids and caffeine, and we were doped up on coffee and other sugary j- drinks. My my boss's rule is: doesn't matter. I don't care what you show up on, as long as you show up. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to know if you take two five-hour energies. Is it 10 hours, or do you have ten, five hours of extra? You know what's funny? I just took my first five-hour energy the other day, and it did not go well. Because like, I'm just jitter- a co- Were you jittering? I was jittering a little bit, but because I'm just a coffee guy. Like, I just drink straight-up coffee, but for some reason, I was just one day I was exhausted. The coffee was not happening. And, like, my buddy handed me a five-hour energy when I was doing the teleprompter on the show. I pounded it down. I got, like, one, it tasted like crap. It was, like, the pink lemonade one. And I'm like, this thing tastes like, <laughs> tastes like chalk. And so I pound that down, and then it gave me, let's just say, I had to go. I had to take the Browns to the Super Bowl numerous times afterwards. So I don't know what this five-hour energy drink did to my system, that, but it wrecked me. Was that the NFL equivalent of, uh, of at Disney uh, working uh, Splash Mountain? You would say, I've got to go drop six? I've never even heard of that term, but I love Because there's five, there's five drops at, uh, at Splash Mountain, so drop six. I've never is, heard of that. Drop six was their code for going to the... Uh, i got to go drop six. Yep. I'm, I'm probably going to max I, on this I, break i got to go check out Drop 6 for make sure it's going okay. <laughs> Amen to that. We, do we have a code at Jungle? We used to have something at Jungle that was an on-stage acceptable way of saying I had to go and dump I'm sure. One. I'm sure it wasn't. I got the hot poops. Get me out of the boat. Oh, I'll tell you that the, the number of times there's... Um, did you know about the, the restroom in the... Above the kitchens uh, back where they used to have the, uh, the Tahitian show? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's like uh, character off op- or uh, entertainment offices. Yeah, but if you timed it right, like on weekends or whatever, it was the shortest bathroom from Jungle, and I wouldn't tell anyone about it because I didn't want it to become popular and have it taken away. So I would, you know, if I had been in the boat for an hour and I had to make a run, it was either the tiki bathrooms, which are technically on stage. You gotta go. You gotta go, but, man. But it's one of those like you can kind of sneak it because there's just one stall, and you know no one really knows what's you know you're okay. Um, but it, yeah, those the backstage ones above the Tahitian Terrace kitchens were uh, uh, a lifesaver. Those were always great. Well, it's you know we all know it's gonna have to happen. You know we're all gonna have to have our moment in the sun where we're gonna have to <laughs> take care of that. So it's Get not caught like, with your pants down. Uh, but. Um, well, and, you know, I think we've all had that moment where we're out in the jungle in the middle of the night, and we just have to go. And you just, you know, drop trow over the side of the boat. And <laughs> Sorry, folks. I got <laughs> Skipper's, no, Skipper's got to take a load off. <laughs> not, not with guests in the boat. That was not what I was saying. You got to go. You got to go. <laughs> Anybody got any? Who hasn't peed over the side of a jungle cruise boat? Always take a litter bag in your boat. That um, way, when it gets full, you can just toss it into the river. <laughs> probably make the river cleaner. I know, right? So I, I, I made a reference to the methane monster, and I actually got someone who, uh, on a message board, asked me what the hell I was talking about. Um, there's, you know about the methane monster, right? You know about it? So I think it sounds vaguely familiar. Okay. Remind so, me. So basically the area, if you're in the queue looking out into the river, there's the little uh, catamaran, the little, you know, yeah. little house that's out there, and there's kind of a, a little bay that's out there. Right? Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. that is. Yeah, kind of, you know, there's there's no tracks that go out that way. It's kind of just... It's there. A place on its own. So that area is has got a little more depth to it on in the jungle, and all of the plant matter will fall into there and start decaying. That's and why. It actually creates methane. Well, overnight, that builds up because there's no motion of the water. 
So in the morning when we start the boats out, we'll get giant bubbles of methane gas. Ooh. Um, so we called it the methane monster, and it would bubble up and stink like holy hell first thing in the morning. And I always wanted to take a long stick with one of those big lighters on it in the morning just to see if I get some blue flame coming up over the, the front of the jungle. Sorry, folks. Drum cruise are closed today. Uh, it exploded. Oh. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other, like, you know, great random questions that people have been throwing. Uh, we had a, a this is a skipper who is starting his uh, career at Disney uh, in about a week. He's getting uh, at Disney World. Ooh. Uh, he's been a regular on, like, skipper boards. He's been wanting to do it since he was four. And he, set, he uh, actually asked the question, what should I know when I get hired into Disney? And, uh, Jonathan, you being an expert skipper, being oh, yeah. a, a skipper of very renown, loose term. renown uh, <laughs> what would you recommend? If someone's going to be starting at the Happy Jungle Ride, what would your words of wisdom be for him? Basically, when you first start off, don't be like me. When I first started working there, I thought I, I thought I was a hot, I thought I was a hot shot. I thought like I'm the best. I'm gonna be the best skipper and funniest skipper ever. And so I went nano. I went nano G. I went like balls. Uh, you? I, you I don't have a reputation I, for that. <laughs> I went balls to the wall. I was making Kim Kardashian jokes. This is when I first hired in, and like, was I, like so you were like the genie in the Aladdin show. I, I, the because I, that's where I got it from. I was like, hey, if the genie in the Aladdin show could do it, like, why can't Jungle Cruise skippers? And so then I got in big trouble, and I got called to management numerous, numerous times, and leads would yell at me like, Jonathan, you can't do that. And I kind of got put in my place, and then I kind of toned it down, like after because I did that for about my first six months, and then I got slapped around by management and leads like, hey, if you keep doing this, we're gonna have to let you go. But we like you. And I'm like, all right, all right, I need the money, so I toned it down. Another big issue was oh. I don't know how Florida works. I got in big trouble for shooting the hippos. Shooting actually at the hippos. At the hippo, yeah. I shot at them for probably a good year, year and a half before I actually got called before out you, in before trouble. Before you realized you need to be up in the air. I always wondered. I always I should have realized there was something wrong when every time I did it, people cheered and clapped. <laughs> that probably should have been my first red flag. Well, you know, actually, I, from what I understand, it actually has less to do with the shooting the hippo thing. As it is that when your gun is in that lower position, it's like a noise. It's a big, right? yeah. It's a noise thing. When you have it up in the air, it's less impactful because the the rounds that we have now apparently are like half the strength. They of the are ones they like used to be. when I was when I was still working there. Like it, like we have like the gold rounds, and then they got like these new rounds with like black or silvers like uh, centers, and they were like it would go like a. <laughs> Yeah. Instead of a pop, pop, it was a, it was a asthmatic Jewish gentleman. Is that exactly. what you're saying? <laughs> hey, you hippos, stop it. <laughs> Shalom. Uh. <laughs> what do you think? Of, <laughs> you think I'm a schmuck or something? Uh. No, but I, and so, and that was like my first red flag. Everyone would cheer, and like people would like line up for my boat, and they're all and people would go, yeah, yeah, shoot the gun again. And I got, and I remember they yelled at me. They're like, oh, Disney does not harm, does not condone the harming. Of animals, and I'm like when which I, I was. Which I thought was hilarious because. And I'm like, what's hilarious? Because I grew up going on this ride, and every time they they shoot, they shot the hippo for years. I'm sorry if a pretend hippo is charging at my pretend boat with my pretend gun. I'm going to shoot it. Well, and that's you know that's we we got boycotted by PETA. You know, people for the ethical treatment oh. of animatronics. Oh, exactly. <laughs> people who eat tasty animals. So. And what's funny is that. I, I believe I had a PETA representative on my belt because that's how I got nailed. I got in trouble because they were saying because they called me into the office as like usual. It's like going up to the principal's office. Oh, Jonathan wants to see you management. Well, it's sure not to give me mouse grabula. And so I'd get up there, and they were like, "So Jonathan, we heard you were shooting hippos." I was like, "I thought we were allowed to." And like, I never even got informed. I never got formally trained like not to. Like during my training, like they never really said like, "Oh, 
don't do it. And they never they never said well, that. And, and you know, and that's what people remember about the damn ride. It's that's the cultural touchstone. That's kind of like saying that you know. Um, you can have uh, cheers, but let's not set it in a bar. Exactly. Or, you know, I'm trying to think of another analogy that's it's too effing early in the morning for me to think of good analogies. But, but yeah, I mean, that's what culturally that everyone thinks of with the Jungle Cruise is you're shooting hippos. That's what everyone thinks of. That's what they say. Hey, you used to shoot the hippos in the jungle, didn't you? And that's, I know. And, like, and I, I, that was one of my fondest memories with it. And I used to well, and I'd go and I'd nail the hippo. I'm not, yeah, I'm not jumping out on top of the hippo and doing a transporter, doing a, you know, I'm not jumping skinning off, it. Yeah, jumping off, the, it. jumping off the top of the hippo and, you know. I don't uh, have a Gatlin gun on the side of the boat. Yeah. It explodes. Which, by the way, would be the best ride ever. Uh, I would go on that every time. My problem is I would misremember the jokes. I'd be like, uh, watch out for these piranhas, guys, because one time we had an English teacher who was here, and he put his hand in the water, and now he <laughs> is dead. He was horribly maimed. And so pretty much, I got, I got slapped around. I was like, oh, PETA, PETA doesn't want us to do that. And I'm like, well, does PETA know that hippos kill more people here than sharks? Yeah, hippos are the most dangerous land mammal that there is. They'll chomp you in half. Actually, they, yeah, that, that was uh, that was actually one of my jokes is more dangerous than sharks. It's not really a joke. It's, a, that's, more of like, that's more of a fun fact. That's one of my in, informational things. And they're all like, oh, he's funny, because that's not true. Yes. <laughs> and so then, like, it got to the point where, like, Jonathan, you keep doing this, we're going to have to let you go, or we'll take your jungle knowledge away. And I'm like, all right. And so I would forever shoot in the trees my last few years of the company. Don't worry, folks. The most dangerous hippos are the ones that live in the trees. I, I got, you know. Splash. Yeah. I got in trouble, actually, one time for uh, commenting that the Bengal tiger can jump uh, a thousand feet when flung out of a catapult. For some reason, that... I thought that was hilarious. Is that animal some, cruelty? <laughs> well, no. Well, because the, the fun part is it's a catapult. Um, and then, But it's okay to say that they jump out of an airplane and can jump 20,000 feet. But a thousand feet out of a catapult, apparently it's a scale issue. I think that's funny. It doesn't have a long enough See, I range was, to it. I thought that was hilarious. So I, The problem, I think, with not just Disney, but just the guests like in general, because I feel like back in the 50s and 60s when the ride was open, and when it turned comedic, it seems like everybody's just getting so damn sensitive. Oh, yeah, but everything. Everyone's got their pet, their pet projects. Exactly. Their pet issues. Exactly. And the fact that we can't do British accents anymore on the boats because British families got embarrassed and humiliated by it. It's like when people yeah. do white, stupid-sounding English accents. Uh, I don't get offended. People make fun of white people. I don't get offended. Like, everyone just is so sensitive. So you can make fun of rednecks is what you're saying, but you can't. <laughs> exactly. No, but seriously, that's the, I think that's the problem with, like, just the, the mindset. It might be the guests because I noticed that just society in general is getting more and more sensitive. Everybody's getting so happy. But I think it's the fact that we let them do that. I think it's the, Disney you know, that, enables the guests oh, yeah. to do that. And it should be like, look... We're trying to entertain you. If you don't like it, don't go on the ride. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, there are certain things. You know, there was was an issue. There was a joke that was told for a long time at the Indy Q. Hey, look over there, the the family of monkeys. You know, there was a where we just, they were over there. There were people who were, there was a a group of of people, you know, mother, father, children. And you call them a bunch of monkeys and you make them dance for your amusement. It's hilarious. It's cute. It's, Everybody has a good time. Unless they're an oversensitive African-American family, then you... <laughs> which is what happened. And that family went to City Hall and raised hell because they were being called monkeys. And it's, it's, the problem is, is that out of context, it's fine. If you put it in that particular context, there's an issue, which is going to happen 
so infrequently. You could turn any joke racist. You could turn any joke in offen- offensive. But, uh, like, I understand, like, people don't have a sense of humor. But, like, come on, people. Like, don't, we're not, we're not it's not a racial slur. That's the one problem with just America in general and the whole, like, and Disney, as you said, is enabling it. Like, I understand the customer's always right. I'm a full capitalist myself. They're paying the customer's customers. not always right. The customer's an ass. <laughs> Let's be honest. The customer you isn't point always there right. Too. The customer is a douche. And, and the one thing is, the nice thing about Disney is that no matter how much Disney charges to get into Disney, people will always go. No matter how crappy the economy gets, you can charge $1,000 for a one-day, one-park ticket, people will still go. Yes, and those are the people who are coming in from Dubai. Exactly. Because they're the only ones who can afford that kind of a ticket. And yet they raise, and that's one thing is that they keep raising annual past prices and everything. It's like $700 now. I've got a solution for it. Let us come back and work for free one day a month. (laughs) Would you work an eight-hour shift once a month for free? Uh, Let's see. If if, if you, I mean, you had to stay by the OG, you had to stay by the Disney rules. Would you take a day? What's in it for me for that, though? I'm not even getting paid. But you get to work at the Jungle Cruise (laughs) one day a month. That would be fun. That would be cool to do that. See, that's how you bring the that's how you bring the prices down. Is you you get a volunteer army. It seems like there'd be a lot of labor laws that would have a lot of say so with that. <laughs> I'd be down for it. It just seems like there'd be a lot of red tape there. Yeah, my my plan is actually form of slavery. <laughs> yeah, my plan is actually at some point when I retire to go back. When Isn't I, that what it is? When I hit sixty five, I'm going to be reapplying and hope, hoping that the statute of limitations has run out on my my rehire status. I don't actually know. It's like Schrodinger's rehire status. I don't want to look in the box. I left on good was, terms with this. I, I think making, I have rehire status. I'm making, quant- I'm making quantum physics jokes on a Jungle Cruise podcast. Maybe you could This just... is maybe not the smartest thing to do. <laughs> you know, this is a highbrow show here. But I don't want to know. I, you know I, I'm at this point. I, it's like looking into the sun. I actually I should have left on a good side. I had a safety on my record, but it should be fine. But I think you're fine. Yeah, but I don't know how much they've listened to the podcast. See, I did. I did. I, I ran myself ragged. I did. I put in my two weeks' notice, and I what I was doing was because I asked them pretty much like, "Hey, I got this new job at NFL Network. I'm working like 11 p.m. to 7 a.m." And this was at the time where I had a lot of seniority. I had like the eight to five, nine. I know. I had the 8 to, 8 to 4.30 Jungle Cruise ship, and I'm coming out here from beautiful downtown Culver City, commuting to L.A., or commuting to Anaheim, like, and I was late, like, <laughs> two or three of the days. I, I was really good on points. I never had a safety in my record. I never had a safety. I'm sure you were fine. I had a lot of, co- I had a lot, I had a lot of coachings. A lot, yeah. a lot of coachings. And I didn't have any writtens, but I had a lot of coachings. But, um, and so I had to commute. So literally, I would work my TV show out here in Culver City, and then I would book it. And I luckily, my boss at NFL were cool. I told my situation. They let me leave like an hour or two hours early. And I'd go work at Disney and then with no sleep, and I would work at the Jungle Cruise for eight hours a day. Because that's safe. That's uh, that's good guest safety. And I, and I would try to ER, too. And they're like, this was like right in this heart of summer. They're like, nope, no ER in. And I told and I would tell the leads, like, hey, I'm really, really tired. So you were on like six hours, five hours a night of sleep? And, and I couldn't call out because it was my two weeks. Like, I, I couldn't call out. And so I would literally... And so I'd get off at like 4.30, I would go home, I'd sit in traffic, when I'd go home to Chino in the Inland Empire, I'd go home sleep for two or three hours, and then I would drive back and do it all over again. I would work literally 16-hour days. Yeah. Now, did you, um, did you did you get your last boat? Did you actually get a chance I to got a- I got a last boat. But we, we, I don't know, since you've been gone, there are no more last boats. It's been ruined. Like, so many people ruined that experience for everyone. Yep. But luckily, my last boat, like, my the lead was really cool. A lot of like my the skippers that were working got to go on. I, I and I got I did not I wasn't OG at all. 
I had a few guests in my boat, but I was just like, hey, guys, this yeah. is my last boat. Oh, so you were a daytime shift. See, the trick was to get your last shift as a nighttime exactly. closing shift. That way it was like the last boat of the night closing. Yeah, because it, it has to be the last boat of the night. So. I, and ideally, I wanted that. I even asked, like, can I get a night shift or an evening shift before I go to work? And they didn't happen. And they're like, no, no last boats. No last I, I had the best. Well, because I had two last boats, thank God. Um, both the times I was there, I was able to do that. But my, my idea was brilliant. We had a, a lead at the time uh, named Scott. And Scott was a cool dude. Uh, still, I think, one of the best guys I work with at Disney. And we were really, we were really good. And uh, what I wanted to do was bring the evac um, ramp mm-hmm. to the Indy queue and unload the entire boat at the Indy queue. That's hilarious. And put the boat into slow throttle forward with nobody on it. And just let it coast through the jungle slowly. That'd be perfect. Until it shows up at the dock and Scott just sees it floating there and, of course, can panic. Because I'm, I'm sure at that point would be the one point where someone had the track switches thrown and it would derail. Or, That's usually what would happen. But that was what we wanted to do. Just a, be a ghost boat. Just let it drift and have him wonder what the hell happened. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Um, so, yeah, there actually was a... Uh, <laughs> famously... I don't know if you've heard this story. This is one of my favorite jungle stories. Uh, there was a skipper who came came through and had like a hoodie and all that in the boat with him. I believe I heard this story. And so he gets to the, to the dock. He, he locks the boat down and unloads, but he's in street clothes by that point, And he unloads and walks off the boat with the guests. So the boat's sitting there at the dock with no skipper on it. And no one knows what just happened. So then I, he, I did hear that story. Then he walks up through the exit back in his Disney outfit a minute or two later. And everyone is trying to figure out what the hell happened. I think it's hilarious. See, I wish like we, I wish we could do stuff like that. See, th- those were the kind of those were the kind of things that made uh, made the jungle worthwhile. Exactly. So, but, okay, but tell me, it was a defining part of your life. It's you have no regrets. You would have done it again in a heartbeat. I would assume. I would. I, it was a very good experience. I made a lot of lifelong friends that I'm still really connect with yeah. today, and it was a very great experience. And anyone who is interested in Jungle Cruise, like ever wants to do it, go for it. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting paid, you know. 25 bucks an hour you'd be back there in a heartbeat if I if I didn't make yeah. all of the money I'm making now if I, if I made the money now I'd do it still but yeah, that's always my argument if I was making at, at Disney what I'm making now which technically being unemployed I, I would be uh, you're but self-employed I'm self-employed <laughs> yeah, the, the, the drive down would be uh, the killer so <laughs> and uh, it's okay because in a couple of years we'll have uh, Harry Potter opening up at Universal and, and this will have a legit uh, competition yeah then they'll have to let Jungle go back to being good uh, and, and that's not that's not fair. Jungle is still great. There's still great people it could, there. But think of the potential. It it's, could be a hundred times better. Yeah, it's it's just you know it's it's things deteriorate, and I don't know what jungle looks like in a hundred years. And one thing that or, bothered, or, you know in like forty more years for the hundredth anniversary, I don't know in thirty or forty years what jungle looks like. It will even be there. Well, you know, and there's there's a lot of a push to get the skippers out of the boats. I know pretty soon we're discovering audio-electronic robots yep. driving the boats, which well, I think is a or, stupid. Or people, people driving with, a, with an audio loop over the top. I think that would be the worst thing in the world. That yeah. was like my nightmare. And well, it got to the point where, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like one of the major decisions, like when I put the day I put in my two weeks, I don't know if you've been on the boats recently with the new netting. And you tie down. And, and, and you the, have to tie out the boat. And I'm like... In the net, and I'm like, this isn't the jungle cruise yeah, that I know. It, it is guest safety. I mean, I hate to say it, but I, I've picked guests out of the water before. So I have I mean, too. You know, I mean, I, it sucks, but a lot of it is skipper error too. Well, and, and guests are getting stupid too. Like the guests will just throw their kid into the water. They'll, 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 like, they'll, they'll toss you the kid, and like, T- hey. toss the kid into the water with the hippos. Exactly. That's, yeah. 
I, no, I, I'm, I'm full aware of safety. I was, I'm a big safety guy myself, and that's the number one priority. But it, it got to the point with, like, these, like, razor-sharp, like, edges holding the nets there. And it's like, if Walt saw this, it's like, what is this? Tying off the boat every time we load it and load it. And actually, like, razor wire on the sides of the boats would be much more interesting. It should be much more of a challenge. And, and, like, it was funny. The day we were getting signed off or trained on that, that was that I put in my two weeks. And I did, I did the full training. I passed it and everything. And I'm like, I, I'm putting in my two weeks. I got another job. Yeah. No, it's... I can't uh, do this. Well, and it's, you know, there's always going to be those safety changes and, and little tweaks to it. I remember, you know, when they didn't have the boathouse, the dock house. You know, it was a lot more relaxed. Of an, I remember people who would drive their ECVs through the exit line and not stop and literally almost put their ECV in the water. Oh, I've seen that numerous times. It's yeah, fantastic. I mean, people, people go, I, someone actually came to the point where the ECV kept on going and hit a boat. And if there hadn't been a boat there, the, the ECV would have gone in the water. Oh, uh, we all love those ECVs. Oh, uh, the great green monstrosities. Exactly. So. And what was another thing I wanted to touch base on? Oh, basically, one thing about, I wish that management would like be better at. I love Disney. The managers were great and everything, but... Anything that involved like, creativity, because like they have like the Spiel submission box, and like me and countless other skippers, we put like PG rated, like good, decent jokes, like hey, this would be appropriate, age kid appropriate, and like it was denied, 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 denied. Like very, few, like occasionally a joke would trickle into the OG, but any creativity, like when char- like skippers are trying to do like characters or voices, or like use puppets, and like. <laughs> Ventriloquism on the boat. Exactly. Or... No, no, but you know what I mean? Like, that would be that's hilarious. <laughs> and the, that was one thing that bothered me is that any time there was any involved, because, like, I did a lot, of, I like doing voiceover work. And so I would do, like, like different, like, character voices. And so obviously that was very frowned upon. I wouldn't do, like, Disney voices. I would just create, like, my own stupid voices. And they were just like, oh, just say the spiel normally. It was like every little bit of creativity. It was just kind of like, no, yeah, don't I, do that. I, I did quite a few uh, trips around the jungle as Charlton Heston. That's hilarious. Yeah, that was that was my big uh, my big character voice was Charlton Heston. So, but yeah, no, I, I mean I know, and that's I think the part of it is it's like they frown on creativity, and the, and the sad thing is, it's the people that last. Like the people who still work there are great, but a lot of the people that are just like angry and miserable are the ones that end up working at Disney for ten or fifteen years. Yeah, and like the ones that actually love it, it kind of, they kind of suck the fun out of it, and they don't want to work there anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think that that you know. That's just me, though. There, there is always, there's ebb and flow, and I, I think that there's going to be a point where you know, there was a point before where there was no joke submission. I mean, there, you know, where there was nothing to, to do. I mean, there are, there's definitely flexibility, and I think that the the lead team and managers, it's hard to get that perspective, but I, I we know in our heads that they're not doing it because they're they, they're jerks. I know, I know, I know they're that. doing it because they think that it's in the best interest of the ride, and it's it's tough because you know there's. Um, there's a perception. I, I don't know. I've always, I've always kind of bristled against this whole. You're not the show. You're an element of the show, or the show is the jungle, and you're just there. You know what? To be very honest, the skippers are the show. It is. And anyone who doesn't think that doesn't understand the history of the ride, doesn't understand what the guests are coming in for, but they have to have that mentality. Because even though the skippers are the show, if they acknowledge it, then that changes the dynamic. And then it becomes just a stand-up comedy routine. It, it is. And, it, and it's not a stand-up comedy routine. And it, it has a much different nuance of it. But they have to basically take that line because if they don't, then it becomes annoying. And you get a bunch of, you know, 
blowhard a-holes up on, up there who are really ruining it for everyone else. And, you know, you need to have that balance. But exactly. It, but it has to have that. It has to have character. You know, Disney, unfortunately, you know, the Adventurers Club is in Orlando is gone. You know, I mean, that was the, for me, that was the pinnacle of character-driven show. That was the best, in my opinion, one of the best things Disney has ever done mm-hmm. is the Adventurers Club in Orlando. It's uh, why I sign off all my shows with, with a, a hearty kungaloosh because I want to keep the, the <laughs> that spirit alive. alive. Adventures Club is, was the single thing at Disney that I regret being gone. Like if I, if I had a hundred million dollars, I would hand money over to them and say, "Bring back the effing Adventures Club," or I'll do it myself. I'll open up my own bar. And with me, mine's the Rocket Rods. <laughs> <laughs> No, Rocket Rods was awful. There's nothing. Oh, you've just invalidated the last hour and a half of discussion. I'm joking. No. I'm joking. I went on the Rocket Rods once. I waited like four hours. And the right, uh, I think it broke down while I was on it. But, um, no, I mean, I, I think the jungle has to have a leash on the skippers. Because you get too many people coming through who don't get it. And, and who become... You know, egotistical, joke stealing, you know, break maxing. Everyone of the ride hates them. Yeah, you get these people that come through, and then you have the percentage who do it right and who who keep the spirit of the ride in their hearts. But because of the other people, you can't do those things because they they screw it up for everyone. That's how it is, exactly. Like, one thing I wanted to touch base on pretty much is like, like, as you said, people who ruin the experience for others but i think there needs to be a more stricter like screening process for skippers because like when i was there they were constantly cross-training people and hiring people at jungle that did not want to be there and they hated jungle they were they always like shift trade be shift trade i don't want to work i don't want to work it like jungle cruise can't be right you can't force someone to do that yeah like that's like pure that's a because like the number one fear apparently is people's public speaking yeah. in front of a crowd it's like people that's like a personal hell for them is working the jungle yeah. cruise and i knew i knew people that hated doing it like Jungle Cruise needs to be a thing where you want to be there, and I think they need to make the screening process down. It should be like an entertainment pay kind of yeah. thing. Basically, skippers deserve because we are putting on a show. We are putting on it like a, well, and you know the whole reason why it's not in the entertainment union because we drive heavy driving, machinery. Yeah, because there's there's the attraction, because it's the ride operation. Exactly. So so yeah, but no, I've I've always thought that you know unfortunately the budgets and and everything is not set so that you can have classes or you can you know work with skippers to get their their confidence levels up i mean and they need to be more picky on the selecting process because like not obviously not everyone is meant to do jungle cruise yeah and I, but i think that those people get weeded out pretty quickly i mean i i think that that's i don't think a lot of people are hanging in for you know months and years who are are not suited for it. i think the jungle cleans about well, they shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah. Like, people who shouldn't want to be there, like, it's like, hey, like, I understand, like, they have business needs and they got to put certain people in certain places, a certain amount of people. But, like, obviously it takes an acquired taste and acquired <coughs> talent to be good at yeah. it. Like, it's one thing to, to want to Jungle Cruise. It's another thing to be good at it. I, I think that that was one of the downsides of the landlock is that because you were you were tied into your area that you couldn't couldn't because you were way after that you don't even know i'm sure yeah but, I, I was always in yeah but line. yeah but yeah for for a while you could work in tomorrowland one day and, and i would have loved to do that day. i think that's cool yeah and i the, the the reason why they pulled it down was because they wanted a tighter management reign knowing a smaller pool of people and having more check-ins 
Did you have management check-ins? Did you yeah, have I, I did, and I came, and like every, and it was always the same. Like, hey, how's, how are things going? Good. Yeah, any questions? No, yeah, I'm just, just hanging out and doing that. Well, that's cool. All right, I will get back to your traction. Not the most... Uh, it was like, cool, I could sign off on him. <laughs> yeah, it was not the most uh, in-depth process for the manager. I had some really reviews. cool managers that actually did care, though. I, I, I say that very tongue-in-cheek. Like, there were managers that did care. Like, obviously, no matter where you go, you're going to have good managers and bad managers. Yeah. No, and there were some... I mean, you know, I could I could give shout-outs all day long to the people who, you know, were fantastic in, in my area. I mean, there are people who are still there now that I run into. You know, if, if I go to the park and I don't run into Dave Atkins... Uh, it's a sad day for me. For me, I would rather see Dave than Mickey. Uh, you know, there's just half a dozen people who, you know, exactly. who made the made the attraction. So, and there's like a lot of people I'm still good good friends with today. Like a lot of the managers I still keep in touch with through Facebook, Twitter, the social media, email. I can like same at the park. I always make sure I always say hi to them. So, I, Disney is one thing. It builds build, like good relationships. And the one thing I do need to touch base on about the whole skipper thing is that when I was in college, I, everyone tried to like get me to join a fraternity and everything. I was like, I don't need to join a fraternity. I'm already in a fraternity of skippers. Yep. And I feel like the whole mentality once a skip, always a skip. I believe fully hard that it's like, hey man, like we know each other. Like, oh, you're a skipper. I was too. It's like, boom, we get it. Yep. We can yeah. click. I, I, I've said it before. We need a fraternal order of hippos. I agree. If they have the Elks Lodge. We need a Hippos Lodge. We need a, a gathering place in Anaheim. The soil order of the water buffalo. So when I when I hit my when I hit my uh, Powerball winnings, that's that's what I'm going to do. Open. We can, actually we. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe before your time as well. On the corner of uh, Catella and Euclid, there used to be a bar called Captain Bombay's. I think I've seen. I don't think I've ever been there. It's now a different sports bar, but we actually had a couple of skippers. We were looking into buying it. We're gonna, cool. we're gonna open a skipper bar, and now they have Trader Sam's. So why the hell do you need to? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it would be nice to have uh, magically money raining down from the sky. And I agree, my man. Just make it rain. Yep. So, but one thing I think would be nice if Disney would do because I know Disney has like their alumni club with former cast members. What we, what, what just skippers and Adventureland people need to do? We need to create like. Keep in touch with like old current well, skippers. Those, they have they have that. It's amazing. Like obviously you and I it's, are here now. It's, it's called Facebook. Exactly. And no, but I meant like Disney needs to do no, something. No, but yeah, but it's not Disney's role to do. I actually, it's not, I know it's not. I actually would rather not have Disney involved with it because then then you get the legal side of it. Oh, that's true. You know, I you know there's um uh, in August there's a reunion of 1980s and 90s skippers coming up, uh, and and uh, West Side employees. It's going to happen. So, I mean, these things happen are already kind of, you know, organically. Maybe I just not, maybe I'm just unaware of it. Maybe yeah, and I mean, and I think a lot of, because I think I'm, because of the podcast, I'm in touch with a lot of different generations. Um, I have a skip from the 60s that we're working on, on interviewing. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get the older generation to give their stories, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Facebook has been the big, you know, uh, social motivator that's, that's, that's a great tool. Those, yeah, it's gotten those those older older groups together. So, all right. Well, so we're getting to the point where I'm gonna have to split it in the two episodes anyway. So <laughs> I'm sorry, we gone. Oh a no, no, long. no, no. This is fine. I'd rather have the long. I'd rather be, have it stretched so I can fill some time. Just cut in all space. the crap out. Fill some time and space. So, um, yeah. Any, anything else? Any other fun? Um, anything else? You I'm want trying to, to think of. I'm trying to think of other fun stories that I can think of. So I know as soon as I get in the car and drive away, I'm gonna think of like three yep. stories. Like, um. I remember there was this one grad night that I was working. That it was actually one of the, it was a really really fun. Basically, 
we had like we had two out of bounders like that were, that were on the on the track on the steam train and uh-huh. they jumped out of the train apparently while I was moving and they like ran into the jungle and hid and so we had to like and I remember security ran into the jungle shut the jungle down we got out of bounders in the jungle and I'm like sweet and so I got to take one of like the search boats out and so I had like three security dudes and I had like a little spotlight and we're like I'm driving through the jungle and like I radio Jungle Central to turn off all the sound and animation. And so it's just pitch black. And so we're driving through, and I had the spotlights on, and we're just searching, and I'm using my, Is there anybody alive out there? It's, and there's, there are few things more terrifying than being out in the jungle at it's night creepy. with sound and animation down. It's, and, it's, and lights, and having it be totally pitch black. And quiet. Yeah. And, well, and, and the giant mother effing wolf spiders that are out there. Have you seen the spider webs that are out? In oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those things are... They're six inches long, and they have a worse attitude than, you know... And the de- demon bird that's out there. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but I remember, so we end up... So we're searching the entire jungle looking for these two or three kids. And we ended up... We ended up passing Trader Sam. And there's a little, like, uh, point off... Like, jump off spot on the right with, like, those huge leaves. And I put the light on, and I put the light right on him, and the three kids are laying underneath the leaves and see... And I'm like, hey, and the one security guy in the boat, the boat, I'm driving the boat, it's moving. The security guy just jumps out of the boat, almost lands on the water, and like lands on the thing and start, and they run off and chases the kids down. And so the other security guy's like, back to the dock. I pull throw it back to the dock, and I, I turn the boat off, and then like we run backstage trying to find these kids. This one security guy pretty much tackles the one guy and like zip ties, like, tie, I felt like I was like in a crime scene chase. It was fun. And these kids like, what are you guys doing here? And it was, that was, I'm sorry, I'm a ram- rambling, but that was just a really fun experience <laughs> chasing down these kids. The, uh, yeah, I know. It's, but I, I think that's, you know, I'm sure that they just wanted to have what we had as cast members, which is we get to see the little bits of backstage magic. Exactly. I, did, you, did you did you get to do a, a safari? Did you get to go out and, and tour? Oh yeah. The, and that was that's one thing that I was bummed about. Like toward the end of my working at Disney, is that they pretty much put a stop to safaris. Only leads managers can go out there. They, they put a stop to that back in my day. We, you know, I only got to go on my very last day because one of the leads was great about it and took me out. And I, I have, uh, you know, the backside of the giraffe with the Elvis on the oh, back yeah. of the Elvis. I love that. Um, I have a picture of myself riding the rhino uh, because I wish I took pictures. I never had any pictures of me doing. I, that I stuff. my my last day, I left my my three thousand dollar digital camera at home, and uh, I had a, to use a uh, disposable from uh, from. Uh, but at least imports. you had a camera to capture the memories. Uh, you know, you could have bought one as well, but it's not on Disney Pay. Exactly. <laughs> Those disposables at twenty bucks—that's a lot of money. I know, right? And Disney on the thanks for all the money, you hope. But. That, I just working the jungle was a great experience, and that was one thing I did enjoy. I loved going on safari. Like whenever I had a cool lead, like when I first hired in, like, like hey, you want to go on safari? Like during one of my tasks or breaks, like cool, let's go. Yep. And we'd go out and we'd like hide stuff in the jungle, and like one of the leads would go and like we'd have like Skipper Lost and, or Hide and Go Seek, and they would we would hide like random artifacts in the jungle, and like as we're doing our first fields, we'd like find them. Like oh yeah, I found the little Mickey Mouse. What was there were there were there were Stitch plushes. That was the big thing. Uh, in the early early two thousands, was it was uh, they would hide stitches out in the jungle or uh, Simba's. There was a Simba plush that wound up in the jungle at various times. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, but I think it breaks the show a little bit. I think. It does, but yeah. it's still kind of fun. So. It's it's it has its pros and its cons. Yep. But any other questions and, you want to ask me? Well, and, and now you work with both pros and cons in the NFL. Well, so. well said. 
So, <laughs> a lot of cons. Mostly on the Oakland Raiders. But. Yeah, well, <laughs> I hear they're going to go. Uh, they're going to go ten and two this year. Ten convictions and two prosecutions. <laughs> so. All right. As I tell my only football joke. So, I not a football guy. All right, guys. So that's basically it for uh, this beautiful episode coming to you from beautiful downtown Culver City of the Jungle Cruise. Uh, Tales from the Jungle Cruise is a production of Skipcast Networks. For more fine quality entertainment, join us uh, on our webpage. Uh, I don't even know what the hell it is. Facebook.com slash Skipcast. <laughs> Facebook.com slash Jungle Cruise. C-R-E-W-S. Uh, if you are a skipper or know a skipper and would like to appear on the show, email us at jungle uh, sorry at junglecruisecrews at gmail dot com. I don't don't do the early stuff. Uh, skipper Jonathan, it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to make this happen for about six months. So thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. It was been a pleasure, and it was a pleasure to be had. And now you now you can recount your time and. <laughs> Show your grandchildren your shame. I will. All right, guys, have a great one out there, and a hearty and kungaloosh to you all.